Hello, all our buddies. This week we read The Red-Headed League. The story where we find out that the real treasure was the things we learned about the letter A. <laughs> back all my buddies to the final podium the only sherlock holmes read through podcast paid for with borrowed french gold it's your boy cw over here and who's that joining me it's your other boy uh nick uh this story which i definitely finished several days ago and not just five minutes ago um uh-huh. <laughs> You're not <laughs> literally reading it as we speak. through the last few sentences. Uh, so yeah, um, this is one of my favorite stories, The Red-Headed League. It's extremely funny. Um, and it does, as we were discussing earlier, what The Noble Bachelor didn't. And you had some thoughts about that. It, it mm. works in exactly the way that The Noble Bachelor didn't. And it's, there, it really, really, what can, what can be summed up in the conclusion to which we came vis-a-vis the Noble Bachelor compared to the Red-Headed League is that mm-hmm. the Noble Bachelor, everything had already happened. It was just a story being told to us. And it wasn't an uninteresting story. It was just that the part where we came in, there was nothing left to do. It kind of ended before it began. It almost felt like the solving the mystery was shoehorned into this otherwise very interesting drama yeah and see that's the thing is it was full of it's it's a very good idea as an author as a creative of any type when you're telling a story to put in things Mm -hmm. that are interesting and not explain them all the way because then uh, you know and this is really basic i there's not a lot more for me to say about that it's one of stephanie meyer's core strengths <laughs> jasper the civil war vampire yes please okay. oh you're gonna tell me about him once should i have read twilight i'm having second thoughts now it was a similar thing in the noble bachelor because they mentioned this american minor camp wild child tomboy daughter that uh and, and we just we, we didn't get enough for it to supplement the lack of interesting in the rest mm-hmm. of the story but this is not an episode where we dump on the noble bachelor because what the hell have we ever written this is an episode where we read the red-headed league which oh doctor is this a story um <laughs> See, this one does it really nice because half of the story is, yes, something that did just happen or right. happened a couple months ago and is being recounted, but it's nice and it, it's half of the story. Yeah. And the other half is them taking it from there and actually doing some footwork and solving the rest of the, and going to a, a concert as well, you know, as yeah. you do, in the middle, conveniently. Like so you do. Like, yeah, I'll solve this case and oh, look at that. We just had time to, to go catch this. Yeah, it's great. On the Semi-Automagic, uh, which is our, you know, podcast network, mm-hmm. our family, um, on the Discord server, not gonna lie, I don't entirely understand what Discord is, but I know mm-hmm. it's a place where, pa- where fans of the show can go and talk to each other about stuff. Mm-hmm. Someone actually asked today, like, does anybody have any advice on how to become a better storyteller, on how to uh, swig coffee in a very stealthy fashion while your co-host is pontificating? It's water. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was a brown bottle. And in my defense, I've met you, so... You know what? Fair. <laughs> Absolutely fair. Just always assume I'm drinking coffee at all times. If there it's water, go. it's like, pat me on the back if it is water, because that's rare. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I'm, I'm beginning to think you might think that's what water is at this point. <laughs> this coffee's uh, looking a little but clear. No. So a, a story is a collection of moving parts, and, like, I'm not here to tell people what a story is, but, like, that's what didn't work in The Noble Bachelor was the parts didn't fit together quite well. This story, The Red-Headed League, it is so tight. It is a All of the smooth-running machine of a story. It is a beauty, and it literally just ends. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's get into it. Yes, let's. We start up. 
uh, with John Watson walking through the park and reminiscing as he is wont to do, mm-hmm. uh, and he walks in on his buddy Sherlock chatting up an elderly gentleman of the red-headed disposition, and I'm not going to lie, uh, cats and kittens and other mm-hmm. and N slash A, mm-hmm. uh, I grew up in the 90s and ginger was a very common term for the red-headed man. I am trying less to refer to people by their physical characteristics, but uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of a key point of the whole story here. <laughs> Yeah. Are we really uh, going to worry so about being racist against gingers? <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's people. not... Well, yeah. It's Is just, the term it's ginger nice. offensive? I thought... Okay, I here's my thought. I okay. I thought that ginger was like the British way of saying redhead. And that's all I thought. Okay. I didn't know if there was any derogatory... Is there? That's fair. I, I don't think it's exactly derogatory. I, I think it's less kind than it could be like if you referred to any group by just a nickname made up by people who aren't in it mm-hmm. like i don't see them referring to themselves as gingers yeah but i could be you know what uh tweet at us let us know yeah, let us know gingers of twitter <laughs> what's a what's offensive so uh sherlock is talking to this elderly weasley gentleman <laughs> um that was a harry potter reference i was not comparing him to and a weasel okay see that's i'm glad you said that because <laughs> so i was like wait I mean, this guy doesn't get a nice description by Watson anyway, but he, he kind of just gets no. dragged. He's really not that. He's just this kind of normal, if a little he's just dumb a dude. dude. Um, yeah, but and like if being if being dumb were a crime, uh, impeachment would be a lot easier. But uh, Watson Watson says, "Yo, I did not realize you had company. I am going to take off, despite the fact that I help you with literally all of your work. But it is necessary for you to say, <laughs> in order that you can say, yo, this is my boy Watson. He is going to help me with your case, Mr. Wilson. We're going to catch that Dennis the Menace. Yeah, Holmes, like, Watson just shows up and he's like, oh, oh, my bad. You know, my, and Holmes literally just go, grabs him and shuts the door. But he's like, no, no, mm-hmm. I'm glad you're here. It's um, so good. It's almost like it's it's kind of almost put up as like a coincidence that watson like oh no watson happened to be coming at the time yeah. holmes is you know in the middle of this case oh he's here now i don't have to explain why he is him yeah. making excuses to his wife about going <laughs> and i was just like oh this was just a friendly Poor social Mary. call like did watson really think that he was just why was watson on his way over there anyway was he just like that's a good question hopping in to say hi was it just like probably you know and then oh no there's you're solving uh, a case i guess i'll Oh I'll no! I'll just you to it. You probably don't need any help. There's a running joke. There's a running joke, as I'm sure you're aware, in the DS9 fandom that uh, Miles and Keiko O'Brien just fucking hate each other. And <laughs> I haven't heard of that, but I can see yeah, it. Yeah, I can kind of see it's, it. It's not portrayed as a very happy relationship. <laughs> like every episode with the both of them is just them fighting about something, and I'm like, straight people. <laughs> yeah honestly and like admittedly it's written that way there's a lot we don't see theoretically mm-hmm. whatever and you know your definition of what a happy relationship looks like may not may not match up with someone else's that's the, but the, the point is yeah. i just i feel like doyle set up like after he after he married watson off in sign of the war which we haven't read yet mm-hmm. um like he did really set up this sort of keiko and o'brien well i'm gonna go solve crimes then Guess I'll just solve crimes by myself. Whatever. I don't exactly, care. Exactly. To get him out of the house. I don't know. So, Holmes is very eager to speak to Watson, and that that leads into a thing about this story which kind of informed my hesitance to use the term ginger a little bit ago, because mm-hmm. Holmes and Watson think that everything that happens in this story is hilarious. Yeah. Which, it is. 
they're not it wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm yeah. saying they're being assholes about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that, that for sure. Like, he really tries to just hold it together for professionality in front of this guy. But by the end, yeah. of, by the time this guy's done telling his story, they just both end up just cracking up. Like, this they is... They really do. It happens on more than one occasion. Like, in the guy's face, yeah. kind of. Well, and, like, the implication is not so much that what happened is funny as much as it is, look at this red-headed guy! Mm-hmm. He got bamboozled! <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know. But it's whatever. Okay, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, uh, Holmes pulls him aside and says, Yo, Watson, I know you love weird shit as much as I do. God damn it, Holmes! You got my number! What is it? So, it is at this point that we receive, uh, the true, the truism, the maxim, that truth may be stranger than fiction, but nothing is stranger than crimes. <laughs> that's the whole, uh, that's, that's this whole series in a nutshell, really. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. um, Watson attempts to do like a Sherlock vision up down on the dude. Oh like, yeah, he Watson tries, tries. To... immediately as he comes in. He's like, all right, well, I'm here. I might as well try to deduce some stuff. And it's deduction yeah. time with Holmes and Watson and Watson, uh, deduction time with Nick and Casey. That's our new mm-hmm. podcast title. Uh, we'll would have been a much it. better title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everything we think of would have been a better title, but it's fine. We're here now. Yep. <laughs> we can't turn back. It's too late. Um, no, it's too late. We already paid for the art. <laughs> deduction time begins and watson just gives it his best shot try he glances over this guy he's like well you know yeah i'll, I'll do my best here and uh holmes is like oh you know clapping from the sidelines just very like yeah sure no, he, he gives um, it the he gives it the old paid for by slavery college education try <laughs> yeah yeah and uh comes up with not very much and holmes gives this whole like oh he's been in china he's got you know he's he used to work on the you know do the working man and it's all this you get yeah, all this information free, about this he's a freemason yeah and just all this stuff um and uh and the guy's like oh you know like and then holmes kind of just explains how he made all of these deductions after watson gives it a right. shot and the guy kind of like instead of the usual like just shock and surprise like oh my goodness mr holmes like awe mm. and reverence like how did you know all this all this stuff this is fascinating he just kind of like amazing he just kind of laughs like oh ha, ha, you know like now that you've explained it it's really not oh, yeah, that. i, I thought sense. you were like some really smart dude but it turns out you're just a normal guy who you know and holmes is just like yep oh anyway he, he well, no, holmes <laughs> doubles down on that yeah he says that it's not it's not anything special man and he says that he should stop explaining these things for the sake of his quote poor little reputation. his poor little reputation will suffer if he's so she candid yeah so <laughs> well the one that made me happiest was he, he does he rattles off this list of things that he picks up with just a moment's glance at this cat mm. and a lot of it's really cool like he knows he's been to china because he's got a fish tattoo on his arm and it has got a kind of ink that is only used in China. Right. Which, it, there's a lot of really cool stuff. But when it comes to the Freemasonry bit, he says, it's because you're literally wearing a Freemason's <laughs> pin on your lapel. <laughs> and the guy just kind of looks down and says, yeah, all right, I'll give you that. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I am. Shoot. <laughs> it's a fair cop. All right, what happens next? Um, yeah, so they, they introduce this guy. Uh, so basically, the long and short of it is this guy has, his story is he is a redhead very important yep. uh in the title uh and he just he's kind of just this normal dude he runs a pod shop he recently took on a assistant um who conveniently interestingly came at half wages and just really wanted to learn the trade which we right. find out later this guy's a huge huge crimesman um yep. and but this redhead guy hires him on he's like oh yeah sure and then one day the um and he does okay business at his pawn shop, not too much. Yeah. But, you know, it, he can live off of it. 
and he and one day his assistant comes to him and is like hey you're a redhead check out this really weird advertisement in the newspaper uh for they need a redheaded guy to do something we don't know what yet and mm-hmm. he and this 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 guy his name is Jabez Wilson the redhead the client uh he is kind of just he's like admittedly he's like I'm a homebody I don't really do anything I kind of just live and work in my shop yeah. I don't I, I don't go places like home know. homebody to the point of hermitage right almost e- exactly yeah. um where like interacting with the occasional customer is all the socialization he gets pretty much yeah uh so he's like you know I'm I'm good I don't really need to do this and he's but then his assistant really just kind of pressures him to like no you should really do this they're gonna they're gonna yeah. pay you you know it's you know why not you know might as well yeah. and so he finally gives in and agrees to go down to the office where this supposed <laughs> red-headed league is looking for someone um to do this job and mm-hmm. uh this this was all two months ago by the way uh at the time of the story where he begins right. and so he goes down to the office uh, and it's just kind of like, he just kind of immediately gets the job. Like they push through all these other dudes, uh, go right in and are, yeah. they're kind of just like right away. Like, oh yeah, handshake. You they guys. slump aside a crimson tide of yeah. applicants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the street is just lined with people trying to answer yeah. this ad as well. So <laughs> already an introvert source nightmare. Uh, but, but he gets the <laughs> job and it turns out, and this is where it, if it isn't already weird with, <laughs> this is where it gets actually even weirder. Um, yeah. So he, he finds out that the job is gonna be copying out the Encyclopedia Britannica. Yep, by hand. And if that didn't immediately tip him off, he kind of deserves to be laughed at a little bit, I think. A little bit, <laughs> like that's, that's in, in TV tropes terms, that's, that's kind of what we call schmuck bait. Mm. Like, that's a big, that's a big red button that says do not push on. Like. Right. And I mean, but to be fair, to give this guy some credit, he does, he does guess that, he does, that thought does cross his mind. Where he's like, yeah, okay. He's, he's a little he, skeptical. He backs up a bit and is like, alright, this, this really does seem a little ridiculous. But then he goes in anyway. Well, and yeah. I think, I, I think it's important that we explore why. Because the gig pays uh, four pound per week. And Nicholas, I did the math. I looked it up at like 10 o'clock. I was hoping you would. <laughs> I, I have, I bring certain skills to this relationship, but I'm glad you know what they are. Um, and it's currency so, conversion. <laughs> yes. So four pound sterling in mm. 1891, which is when this story was printed, if not necessarily when it was set. Yes. Is equivalent to just, just take a wild step. How many pounds today do you think four pounds uh, what, 120 something years ago by now? What, what, how many pounds do you think four pounds would be worth today? Four pounds. So today, what is, what, what's the similarity to the US dollar, the pound? Is it, is it just a few cents? Or I'll, I'll tell close? you that. The, the, the pound is worth, I believe, 1.2 US dollars. Okay. I would say, okay, four pounds. Maybe 14 bucks? An hour? That's, you think, you think today? Four pounds, four, no, four pounds in 1891. Oh, in 1891. What would it be worth? Um, yeah. Cause they say, hey, you make four pounds a week and that guy thinks it's an enticing offer. That doesn't make any oh, sense. Oh, a to week. Us. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Four pounds a week. Um, maybe a couple hundred? Yeah. What's a couple hundred? Yeah. Four pounds a week in 1891 is equivalent to 564 Whoa. pounds 2019 or 638 US dollars per week for copying the Encyclopedia Britannica by hand. I do not give shit one if this is illegal. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, sign me up. Yeah. Shoot. Well, cause it's, 
Yeah, and he he's actually talking to Watson about it, and uh, and he says that he he took the job or he went to check it out because business had not been over good for some years and an extra couple hundred would have been very handy. And Watson says, tell me all about it. Mm-hmm. And at this point I got very angry because Watson, you are a doctor <laughs> in England. You are the richest kind of person that still has to go to work. <laughs> but consider this Doyle was also a doctor point. And he <laughs> did not get very many patients and he was bored a lot. I can barely keep myself in opium and stuffed polar bears. <laughs> but yeah, so the his 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 suspicion bells, his spider sense is a, a tingling and a jangling mm. for completely reasonable reasons, but also almost seven hundred dollars a week, one and a half. Like I I am not ashamed to admit it. Internet, uh, I make I think thirteen fifty mm-hmm. an hour. Yeah, I'm comfortable. It's fine. If you offered me an extra $640 a week, yeah, you've got my attention. Right? Right? <laughs> absolutely. No, I, I absolutely relate to that. Like, this guy, you know what? Everything, absolutely valid. I, I'm i right there with him. I'm not making fun of him anymore. <laughs> and what makes me really happy at the end is that, like, they say, okay, you're going to come in. You're going to come in 10 to 2, four hours a day. Mm. That's all, which is reasonable because that's all a human being can physically write for a day. Right. And he says, okay, you're going to sit down. You're going to copy this. Office supplies not provided, which in the end is kind of the funniest thing to me mm-hmm. because, um, well, uh, spoiler alert, this guy is, is being bamboozled. He's being made the very dupe foot yeah. and the money that he's being paid is being laid against a heist that's going on. But like, they're willing to shell out 650, they're willing to shell out like one and a half of my paychecks every week rent the building right the scam is taking place in, but stationary he's fucking on his own that's where we draw the line <laughs> I, didn't know what. I didn't even think of that and now this is like i understand really the 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 amount of money he's being given it's even funnier that like okay it's yeah. a drop in the bucket it's, <laughs> it's almost an insult <laughs> isn't it the office like, fucking get your own legal pad the like the amount of money they're willing to put in and the effort to get this guy out of his shop so they can dig yep. a tunnel to the bank and and rob the crap out of it is like yeah. yeah they'll pay for all that no problem we'll put down all this money we'll pay this guy just loads but like you got to bring your own pen and paper dude we can't afford <laughs> pens fuck yourself find a package of bix elsewhere my sir that is uh, really I funny i got a package of pens in the mail today i'm very excited oh, I, i'm the, happy uh, for you yeah, the pilot G2s, the 1.0s. The oh, best ones. Like the be- I've got I've literally, the 1.0s? I've literally got one right here. They're so good. They're my favorite. Is that is that the point seven or what the 1.0? This? this is 05? This is pretty big. Point five. Yeah. No, my dude, I'm going to send you some 1.0s. You got it. <laughs> sure. Oh, God, it's like painting. It's I, am, so I am actually running short on pens, so I would, yeah. All right, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you some pens. All right. Because unlike these guys, you... <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm a good scam employer. Okay, so with this entire podcast, it's just an elaborate ruse to steal your cat. You know what? With 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 this cat, understandable. Many have tried. Only one will succeed. Me. <laughs> so Wilson goes home happy as a clam in a cloud, and soon he begins to fear that he has, in fact, been made the dupe foot. Mm. And we've all we've all been there when you have like a new job prospect that seems way too good to be true right yeah absolutely and then it turns out to be a pyramid scheme or involve blatant insurance fraud or turn out to be selling graves door to door in the antelope valley in summer uh <laughs> it's relatable is my point and honestly the very fact that it's relatable 
is 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 kind of troubling because we've talked about how we think it's weird that people were funny in the past, right? Mm-hmm. And that's to me that's not a personal thing because like humor is a fundamental mechanism of the universe for me. Like animals think things are funny and enjoy yeah. each other and play play goofs on each other, but like old timey people having feelings mm-hmm. like I have. But mm-hmm. if they felt things too, <laughs> then how am I special? <laughs> like, Wait a second. Exactly. What is separating me from this gentleman? Oh, right. The soul that comes with not having red hair. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> moving on. No, uh, the, the great Tim Minchin, uh, Australian musician uh, mm. and redhead of note, he just came up with the with the rule we should be observing, really, which is that only a ginger can call another ginger ginger. I'm fine with that. As a non-ginger... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a pretty good song. Learn it up. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah, everything appears to be on the level. Uh, Wilson he does well at the work and profits by it for some weeks. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me as I was reading it, like if a dude paid attention, you could learn a lot copying out the encyclopedia because like he got to keep the fruits of his labor, right? right? It's like and he learned. I mean, okay, so what happens is he keeps going into the office, he gets paid, he collects his checks, and he goes home, and he's like, oh, everything's great. And then huh. what brings him to Holmes is. Eventually, this stops, and he just arrives at right. the door one day, and there's a sign saying, the Red-Headed League has been disbanded. No more. It doesn't exist anymore. And he no. he goes down, and he's like, okay, wait, what the heck? And he goes down to the – um, he tries to find out what is going on by himself as much as he can. Right. And just ultimately fails. He's like, these people are gone. They're untraceable. The address that they left with the secretary at the front is – it leads to wait this is really good it's a factory yep. that manufactures artificial kneecaps artificial of kneecaps all the places that all the bullshit places he could have had this point to really good one great one acd like yeah props no to you. it was a great it. one and nobody has heard of the cat that hired him nobody has heard of mm. duncan ross uh no uh, the landlord who rented the building referred to him as william morris uh, nobody, nobody at the knee joint, which is what I'm imagining that place is called, uh, has heard of anybody. And it is at this point that Holmes and Watson lose what little yeah. grip on their giggle boxes they had and proceed to erupt into laughter mm-hmm. at this man's misfortune like a pair of true Jack's asses. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, I, I do sympathize with this guy. Like, yeah, yeah, he got bamboozled real hard. Yeah, like, yeah, right. sure. Who all among right. us has Who not? Yeah. But, I mean, he comes to Sherlock Holmes. He's just this innocent, homebody, nice guy, just kind of like, just normal dude. He comes in, he's, he's like, hey, you're Sherlock Holmes, you're smart, you can maybe help me with this. He's been had a good right. attitude this whole time, and he, dude, laughs in his face. Like, yeah, it's kind of mean, kind of rude. It's not the first time, and it guy. won't be the last. Yeah, the but, artificial <laughs> kneecaps. I mean, I can't, I can't really blame anyone on either side. That's no, if which, I were God. Holmes and or Watson. I, I, I'm sorry, I would be laughing too. That's so. <laughs> yeah, he says, "Yo, where my job go?" And uh, his assistant Spalding uh, mm. says, "Chill. Surely an explanation will be forthcoming via the mails." Uh, but no, then there <laughs> yeah. is no explanation, and uh-huh. he's losing. A significant amount of money. So, right. Yeah. I mean, so he heads. He to hasn't Baker lost Street. any yet. He's. I mean, well, he's made he's some money with it. the job, but yeah. Well, and that's a conversation that happens. Holmes says, "You are right to come to me. This is way more serious than you mm. realize." Mm. And he says, "Uh, I realize I'm out six hundred and fifty dollars a <laughs> week, bruh." Yeah. He's like, "Excuse <laughs> you, actually." 
Yeah, and Holmes says, well, the way I've seen it, you're up what you've already made, plus everything you've learned. And is, is it the real treasure, the things we learned about the letter A? But look at all this knowledge you gained, yeah. Exactly, and he says, oh, yeah, everybody about archbishops and armor and archery. Mm-hmm. Think of all the things you've learned, and it's just, uh, it's so condescending. Yeah, it, it really is, but, like, in a funny way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so what happens next? What happens next? But... But yeah, no, I was gonna say something about that too, how like, honestly, same, like, it's, it's, it's just kinda, it's kinda pure how this guy's just like, yeah, you know, the job was weird, but he like just goes out of his way to mention, but I did learn a lot of this stuff, like, I, it's kinda well, neat yeah. actually, like. I mean, and honestly, like, you could call it an examination of privilege, because the whole, the whole thing, Sherlock's whole ethos mm-hmm. is that he only has to take the jobs that interest him. Right. So that's all it's, he It's does. never really gone into how, like, yeah, that's true. There is a little bit of, like, a uh, a clash of, like, the classes happening here. Because you've yeah. got this guy who runs a pawn shop, and that's his main income. And with that's Holmes, it's never really made an issue how much money he has. You always just assume right. he has enough for whatever he needs to do. He's got a rich doctor bro right. slash boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a whole thing. And this guy was not in a position. And see, that's the, he doesn't just work at a pawn shop. He owns it. That's his business. That's his livelihood. It's his shop. And slash yeah, house, and I think. Yeah, and he's got an assistant, yeah. and he's yeah. got a uh, a maid who apparently lives with them. I assume they all sleep in a giant uh, four-poster bed wearing <laughs> matching nightcaps. <laughs> but, like, so he he's, he wasn't in a position to turn this down. Mm-hmm. And Sherlock is all, well, why'd you do that, you dumb poor? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a little... Sherlock can be a little mean, but that's yeah. also why we love him. I mean, it's honestly... It, it's... I would also... Not to, like... I mean, kind of to defend, I guess. It's also a little bit... By all means. Uh, I would say, not out of character, because you get a little bit of, like, inconsistencies with Holmes' characters. Where it's yeah. like, he's Holmes had... there's real giggly There's other time. Yeah. There's other stories where he interacts with people who are very poor or who are just, like, average people, where it's yeah. not really like that. Not he's kind of like... It, it's like mo- how much money people... And, and again, he's been just as much an asshole, if not more, to rich people. Right. So it's like, you know. but uh, It does balance. I think it just hurts when we see it happen to a poor person more. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It's It does seem shitty. Yeah. So um, then they... The, the redhead guy leaves. He, Holmes is like, yeah, two, two to three business days, I'll have your answer. Um, Which is <laughs> such a great answer. You know, it's the weekend. It just depends. Like, I had this concert I was going to go to later, and... Yeah, I gotta make that, but we'll afterwards, see. you know, so... Business days. So, Shut up. So after... So after... He's a freelancer. Um, he doesn't... He doesn't even, like, it doesn't even apply. But, uh, so yeah, he... So after after he leaves, Holmes sits and thinks for a long time. Yeah, calls it a three-pipe problem. Yeah, he curls up into his chair, and yeah, this is where the whole, it's, it's quite a three-pipe problem uh, quote comes from. I don't know if you've heard that quote before. But well, I have now in in Sherlock in BBC Sherlock, it's a three patch problem with the nicotine patches. Uh, that was That's a reference to this. Pretty good, yeah. All that was right. a reference. To I'm not mad at that. Three That's pipe problem. Right. Um, so Nicholas, have you ever smoked pipe tobacco? I have not. No, I've smoked a cigarette, a cigar, like one puff. Sure. But I don't. I don't sure. Smoke. I, and then immediately, is... promptly, was hacking and coughing for like an hour. My dog. Like I'm, I'm not a smoker. The asthma precludes this, mm-hmm. um, and also gross, and also too much money. But <laughs> like, oh man, some nice like nutmeg or vanilla pipe tobacco. 
It's I'm going to I'm going to set you up one of these days because it is a thing of beauty. No, that would be amazing. Yeah, no, I do know that cigarettes and pipes extremely different smoking experience like at yeah, first yeah, yeah. when i yeah, when entirely. i first read through these stories that was one of the things that like my modern brain was just absolutely Jarring. grappling with grappling with where i was like this motherfucker smokes so much there's no way so much. he doesn't have yeah. just ins- just lung cancer out the door like it's like i was like this is i listen holmes i love you buddy but that's disgusting um, yeah and I mean, three pipes bit excessive, but yeah, but but to be fair, yeah, that's a lot. You can't do no. That smell. would destroy your tongue. Three oh, pipes in a row. You would not have any yeah. sense of taste after that. Well, whatsoever. and it's the, and it was kind of the caffeine of its day, I guess, mm-hmm. because nicotine is a stimulant. So I don't yeah. know. But anyway, oh, someone once made the really funny comparison of like with with the historical like context and everything the amount Mm -hmm. that holmes smoked or i think no i think it was the reference to like his cocaine habit or something where the it was like kind of at that point in history where it was like doctors kind of knew it was not great for you but they couldn't Mm -hmm. really say that it was horrible and addictive and you should not absolutely do it whatsoever and they kind of they compared it to like the modern equivalent would be him just like dumping a can of Red Bull into, like, oh. a can of, like, into a cup of coffee or, like, two cans oh, of Red God. Bull or something. Just something really gross, but not necessarily, like, bad TM. Just, right. you know. Just so, still something you should consider not doing. Still maybe don't do that, but all right, buddy. Anyway, uh, so substance yeah. abuse aside, uh, he <laughs> smokes yeah. three pipes, and he sits there and he thinks about this for a long time. He comes out of his... Watson kind of drifts off for a nap because he's done all the thing and he's going to do for the moment. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and then Just wake Watson, up when you wake up like, when it's time for me to be impressed by you. Watson's like, Oh, are, are we thinking now? All right. I'm just going to take a snooze. Just let me know whenever you're, exactly. <laughs> whenever you I'm solve a the doctor, case. doctor, not a thinking man. Right. Like yeah. I'll be here. Um, and Holmes eventually snaps out of it. He comes to, and the first thing he says is, Watson, we're going to a concert, basically. Yep. He's like, okay, this, this, this musician is showing at this time. You wanna, you wanna go catch a show? And Watson's like, what? uh, I guess? Yeah, sure. I mean, alright. Uh, and so they go to, and it turns out that conveniently the, it's not an opera. It's a violin performance. Violinist. Because Holmes yeah. plays violin. I don't know if we mentioned. Of course. Oh, yeah, we do. And Sonny and Scarlett, he talks yeah. about playing. So, yeah, Holmes, play, Holmes is a big uh, musician. And he and the area, the place where they're going to go for. I actually i am not sure if he actually was planning to go to this concert and it just happened to be in the neighborhood. And it's like, oh, yeah. convenient. We'll stop by there, too. Or if he's like, oh, well, I have to go here. And hey, look at that! There's also this concert going on. Might as well catch that too while we're Might as while well. we're down there. Now I, I have a couple of things to say about this beat in the story. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he says, Watson, let's go catch a show. If your patience could spare you for a few hours, which, <laughs> bitchy, but um, <laughs> and Watson, Watson replies. I have nothing to do today. My practice is never very absorbing, which. <laughs> Shows you just what regard Doyle held his medical life in. Like, in like two fingers. <laughs> like, exactly. It's just like, I write detective stories. Oh, also, license I, to kill. I, I cut people's <laughs> legs off when, when I, when I, Conan to. License so, to kill Doyle. Yep. So another thing I learned, and honestly, th- this is one of the things uh, that made the story really interesting to me. There was a lot of neat stuff to look up. Uh, yes, which I, I understand that research is not everybody's gig, but it's one of the things I enjoy in a story. Mm-hmm. So in order to get to the place, uh, they take the underground, which 
was jarring for me to see in print. I said, "What? This is eight. This is dinosaur times. Was it a yeah. giant centipede? What yeah. are we?" I looked it up, Nicholas. Just off the top of your head, what year would you say that the London Underground probably opened? Like the the subway system, the subway system, I... Maybe... the system that is literally sub the way. Yeah, yeah, may. Maybe the with the okay with the tra- so they had above ground trains. They did. Maybe like those have been around for a while. The twenties, maybe the twenties. The 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 nineteen twenties. Yeah. Maybe. Is this what you're saying? No, 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 no my dear Nicholas. <laughs> no, this is not your fault. No, I could never have guessed. the uh, The London Underground opened in 1863. What the no? Can you admit humans? voluntarily going underground before we knew what germs were. People were afraid of electricity, and yet they would get on an underground train. (laughs) There were steam trains under there. They began using electric rail cars in 1890, the kind that have, like, the the wire on top that they, you know, like trolley cars. I actually don't know anything about history, not one single thing. (laughs) It's bonkers. Uh, Anyway, that added to my enjoyment of this story quite a lot. And mine too now. Dang, shoot! They go to the they go to the show, and the route happens to take them by Wilson's uh his his pawning grounds. Mm-hmm. They they see the now. Are you familiar with the three gold balls? The what? This is a Dragon Ball thing? That is not a Dragon Ball <laughs> thing. That is also not a Demolition Man thing. So apparently, uh, the particular type of pawnery, of 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 pawn broking, mm-hmm. bro- breaking pawn okay. brokery. Uh, that is that is widely practiced now. Originated in Lombard, Italy, and the like the the symbol they used in order to identify themselves uh, was three gold coins on a field, like in uh you know like a heraldic sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think they would open Al Capone's vault and disappoint everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually it didn't fly anymore, so they just used three gold balls like on a spire. And now, now three gold balls are apparently an international, like worldwide symbol of pawn shops. Oh, okay. Like when you had a sign hanging off the top of the building, as opposed yeah. to like nowadays we have it like printed on the building, but they would have exactly like, metal that sort swinging, of thing. you know. Yeah, yes. So I, I just heard them mention three gold balls and I got very confused. So <laughs> <laughs> look that shit up directly. Yeah, they, they roll up on, uh, on Wilson's place. Holmes does some wacky shit. Without explaining any of it. He stonks whatsoever. his cane on the ground. And then, then what does he do, Nicholas? Uh, yeah, so he, they go up to the, they, they see the street basically where, um, everything has taken and will take place. Uh, and they go in front of the pawn shop. Holmes taps his cane on the ground in front of the shop for some reason. We don't know why. And then he, uh, knocks on the door and the assistant answers the door, which Holmes, I think it's pretty obvious by this point, he knows that this guy is a famous crimesman. And, yeah. but so, the, so this, this dude answers the door and, um, Holmes is, gives some like BS excuse, but like, oh, can you tell me the way to, you know, wherever. And, uh, yeah. so he does real quick and Holmes kind of glances at the guy's face for a second, not really, doesn't really look at him, but then he looks at his knees and, mm-hmm observes that they're stained with dirt like he was kneeling down and perhaps digging a tunnel perhaps under the building and or something and and then they i think look at the uh they look at the street again go around the corner maybe and it gives this kind of description of like 
something that I personally have also seen in LA where one side of the street is just really nice and tidy and like rich people town. And then you just go around the corner and it's just like, like havoc, you know, it's just like completely like dirty, just messy packed with people kind of thing. And I can totally, and that really just brought London into focus for me. Like I really was there after that. Yeah. I'm like, yes, this really seems like a thing that it's the same thing. uh, like as I as I mentioned last time on on the show, I did not mean to cut you off. I apologize. Oh no, it's fine. Um, I was done. Last time we we went into Phoenix recently to see uh, the great Eddie Izzard, mm-hmm. and like we live in Mesa, it's a nice, cute, clean, very safe little suburb, uh, Mormon town, full of full of lovely, friendly people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I mean that, like you know, I say the words Mormon town, and we're smiling a little bit, but honestly, they're they're darling people. I've never, yeah, sure. you know, we've never had any problem. It's a great town. Yeah. And one of the things we love about Mesa is that Phoenix is literally twenty minutes away, so mm-hmm. we don't get the big city stuff, but we can just go see. You know, there's a symphony hall. We saw um we saw Nobuo Amatsu perform there. The thing is, like Phoenix is a beautiful, like, Atlantis spire cluster of glass and concrete. It's a very nice town. I like it a lot. The thing is, to get through that, you have to go through a rind that (laughs) uh, that, that (laughs) kind of buffers between... There's this no-man's land between Mesa and Phoenix and presumably between Gilbert and Phoenix and between Chandler and Phoenix and all yeah. the other, all the other little mini suburbs in the, in the, in the Phoenician megalopolis. Right. And, uh, and that was, that was the similar vibe mm-hmm. that like, there were literal, as we were driving, there were literal homeless camps and awful things. And you know, these burned out buildings and, and, uh, bail bondsmen. And then, oh, by the way, here's a yogurt shop and here's a trendy yeah. vape bar. And it just, yeah. it, the switchover was instant. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you're what you're describing and seeing L.A. and London in the same way, uh, it yeah. is it is evocative. I'm I'm not gonna lie, I didn't understand that when I read it. I didn't get that from it. Mm-hmm. Just I I think it was something about the way it was written. That's an excellent point. And I I don't know anything about London. Yeah, like I don't. It's a city. It's a city that has doorknobs that are older than this country. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I I don't know anything about it, but it's a character in these books. It really is. Yeah, and in a lot of movies and TV shows set in Victorian England, it kind of tends to, like, I don't know. It's especially with like Dickens being the big, huge like representation of England that we get as modern day Americans. Right. It's like we kind of just picture London as all kind of crappy like just like it's all kind of like there's a couple of really big nice white buildings but in general it's just kind of a mess and it's like the poor kind of just enter you know like it all is just kind of connected and everything's made of smokestacks you wake up and coal smudges grow on your face exactly yeah it's it's like it's just all like that to us but it makes so much more your career choices are jack the ripper or urchin (laughs) or gentleman we don't know where your money came from but you have it exactly Um, and it's like you either are just insanely rich with more money than you ever know what to do with, or you have no money, or you have two pence or something. And yeah. it's it's like you it, that makes so much more sense to me as just it just seems like so much more of a real city. And it's nice getting like an actual firsthand account and not reading something about Victorian London written by someone yeah. you know in the modern day. Um, exactly, but like someone who actually went to London all the time, you know, at this time. And it humanizes the city yeah. and it humanizes the people who live there. Yeah. Like they, they even list, he does, um, one of my favorite things in books. I love particulars, mm-hmm. uh, cause he lists off 
he said he says to Watson, "Yo, I want to memorize these streets, right? Because that's what I do, baby." <laughs> There's no Google Maps yet. I get it. Like he has to. Yeah, he is the Google Maps. There's a tobacconist. There's a newspaper shop. There's a bank. Mm-hmm. There's a carriage building depot, and there is. And here I quote with capitals. Yep the vegetarian restaurant <laughs> i knew you were going to mention the vegetarian restaurant because <laughs> when i first read this story and i saw the word vegetarian restaurant i was like excuse me what when was this written <laughs> I, it's another thing i did not look up the uh the genesis of vegetarianism in england are vegetarian sh- restaurants how old look it up how old when <laughs> did vegetarianism <laughs> Is that a good become popular? This is such good pod. Let's see. Let's see. 1847 in Ramsgate, England, when the first vegetarian society was formed, says Google. This is from (laughs) PBS, so it's legit. Okay. Well, I'll be damned. So not only were there vegetarians in England, there was a whole society, not only for redheads, but also... For vegetarian, <laughs> 1847, and this is the 1880s. I wonder what the overlap was like between those two. So, I guess we tend to yeah. we tend to think of like history as having started in the last hundred years or so, don't we? Right. It's like everything else before that was just it was cavemen. It was the Victorian yeah. era, and then it was 2019. And then it's now. Yeah. It, yeah, people were just eating trees. But it's just and... like this story. I mean, totally unrelated to the mystery. The the whackness of it, and just totally unrelated to anything else. This story actually gives a really good slice of just the time and how it does a bunch of different things that you don't really think of coinciding were happening at the same. Because that's like a big thing about history that I really feel like we should mention more is that there were a lot of people alive at the same time and a lot of oh, yeah. things going on at the same time around the world that you don't ever really think about. Like you don't it like it's kind of like you base everything on like electricity running water, but steam trains like they had them for a real long time, so it would kind of yeah. make sense thinking about it that they would have an underground train. It was just a steam train, you know. Yeah, like, it's... which I'm not going underground in the past. It is dark, and I'm gonna get buried buried alive. I mean, Victorian me would not be doing that. No, uh, thank you. Yeah, it is. It's. Yeah, it's it's a very strange thing. I'm I'm googling uh people who were alive at the same time. Let's see here. That's always a fun time. Yeah, we got we got a list here from Ranker. I know Doyle hung out with Oscar Wilde, so that's cool. Um, I don't know if he ever. Yeah, I think he was too late for Poe. But yeah. who else could who else could Arthur Conan Doyle have met? Well, I'll <laughs> tell you this: Martin Luther King, Anne Frank, and Barbara Walters were all born the same year. What? Yep. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln and Charles Darwin, born on the same day. Quit. No. Get the wait, fuck out of here, internet. Wait, what? Wait, what? wait a minute. Wait a minute. Queen Elizabeth II was born the same year as Marilyn Monroe. No. No. That does- okay, well, here's the How thing. How old? Here's wait. Here's the thing. Okay. okay. Well, like, look. Okay, no, let's go, let's go back one. Anne Frank, Martin Luther King, Barbara Streisand? Is it Barbara Streisand? Mm-hmm. I said? Barbara yeah. Walters. Barbara Walters. Yeah. All of them born the same year. 
the thing is, we know Barbara Walters as being a successful elderly lady. We know Martin Luther King as a successful man who was shot down in the, the prime of his life. Mm-hmm. It is reasonable to say thereabouts. Right. And Frank is a teenager forever. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, their, so their ages, like, they're, the, how we know them as are yeah. all different ages. So it makes it sense that we don't really so think she's, about. She's from yeah, ancient yeah. times. Yeah. Oh, by the way, fun fact, uh, Anne Frank was not killed intentionally in the concentration camps. She died of typhus, which is caused by unsanitary conditions, much like what's happening in this country I, I right did, now. I yep. did know about that, yes. I think about that every goddamn day. Um. <laughs> every fucking second. Yeah. yeah. Leonardo da Vinci was a year younger than Christopher Columbus. Get out of here. I can see that. Did they hang out? <laughs> did they get tea? One can only hope. I don't know. I was going to say coffee, but I don't know when coffee was invented. I don't know anything, my dude. That's, I don't know a single right. thing. No, this, one, this one actually blows my mind. I like this one a lot. Right. Abraham Lincoln was 12 when Napoleon died. Okay, that is whack. Because yeah. American history just happened, in my mind. Tr- uh, no, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Pablo Picasso outlived Jimi Hendrix. I feel, yeah, because Picasso got really old. He lived a long time. He did. Yeah. And we, we think of Picasso as having lived, we think of him as like one of those, you know, hundreds of years ago famous artists, mm-hmm. like your, your fucking, you know, your Renoirs yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. But nah, he was, he was working in the early, you know, 20th century or mm-hmm. whatever we called it. Um, anyway, and the one, the one that I always remember is that, uh, the last person to be guillotined in France uh, as as execution, mm-hmm. it happened after the premiere of Star Wars. Wait, so like the seventies? The seventies guillotined. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing: we hear that and we think it's barbaric, which it is. But the guillotine was actu- was invented, as many know, uh, specifically and intentionally to be a quick, relatively painless, and most of all, like assured method of execution as opposed to a probably drunk headsman coming up with an axe that hasn't been sharpened in how long who takes like three or four Mm -hmm. whacks to get through you Mm -hmm. and even honestly if you think about it it's a little more humane than the electric chair because you feel that oh absolutely (laughs) oh yeah yeah no and putting fucking poison in my veins so i have to look at it no Mm -hmm. thank you yeah Uh -uh. like please guillotine me if i am committing a crime to be lethally injected if i had to pick yeah America, but uh, yeah. So that's that was a good tangent. It really like was. <laughs> we yeah, from, we're, we're, we're we learning from, a lot this episode. This is educational. Alive, we went from vegetarianism to bring back the guillotine, basically. Yeah. Like well, minutes. I mean, definitely bring back the guillotine. One hundred percent. Eat the rich. <laughs> and then it, they decide that it is time uh, for a sandwich, <laughs> a sandwich, and a damn fine cup of coffee. Yes. Which again makes me really happy because they all the time say let's get some lunch let's have dinner together mm-hmm. i want to know what those mean <laughs> like what are you eating what are you eating tell me exactly what are you putting Spell in your out face the mail. You please watson God. i know you can be poetic give me this what kind of sandwich is it <laughs> ah and you know what honestly sandwich and coffee uh, it does not it does not go together naturally for me, but I know that it was a classic pairing for a long time. It shows up in 2001 Space Odyssey. They have coffee and sandwiches on the moon. Mm-hmm. And I think that was probably before soda became sort of the widespread goes with everything beverage. Definitely for Americans. Because I know, uh, yeah, that's I know Europeans still do coffee with lunch and do they? Like my French teacher was talking about it. Yeah, they just soda's not really like some people do like soda. But it's kind of just like it's looked at as 
I mean, with American, it's so normalized to just drink soda all the time, but other countries yeah. are still kind of like, eh, it's unhealthy, you know, we'll have it for like a treat or whatever, but, um. Right. And it's... also, are you 12? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They go to the concert. So yeah, they go to this concert and you get this kind of nice little aside of, uh, Watson just kind of like thinking about Holmes, no homo. Um, and. I mean. <laughs> every, I, every time. Full disclaimer, every time I say no homo, I am 100% joking. Full homo. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. Um, Full homo. Look at well, me. And, yeah. And that's another, and that's another thing, like we talked about last time. Like, the homo is there if you want to look for it, Godspeed. Uh, exactly. But also, this story and the man who wrote it clearly come from a time when, like, platonic admiration and love between men was something that was open and acceptable and fine. Like, you could just sit there and say, wow. My best friend is really incredible, mm-hmm. and like nobody, nobody would make gay jokes at you, right? And you should still, we should still be able to do that. Bring that back. We do, and you know, <laughs> I it, that's one of the things I try to do with my male friends because we've been so conditioned against affection mm-hmm. and admiration in in any form, which is uh, a different podcast. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hijack. Go ahead, oh, no, that's fine. watching, watching, yeah. Watching so homes, Watson's people. watching homes, and you get this little like, I guess, I guess, kind of like a bit of character info about Holmes or like just a little bit of like something about him as a person. And you get the detail that he loves music and Mm -hmm. he composes his own violin music and the, and listening to music and, you know, scraping away at his violin helps him think we knew that. And you just kind of get a little, like, it doesn't really have anything to do with the story, but it's just fun character stuff. Um, where... in, in a fantasy novel, it's what you would call world building. Yeah, it's, it's some world building, but specifically for some character for work. him. Yeah, yeah. And I really like it. It's it's just basically Watson observing that Holmes kind of like he. I don't know. It it seems like he has to work really hard to keep himself. He's always just constantly trying to keep from being bored. Which, like, as someone yes. who has ADHD big huge mood um right and you're just always trying to like find something anything that you can consistently do that you can just have where like if you know you don't have anything going on at the moment you can do that and be entertained by it every time and right the violin is kind of Holmes's thing and it's just kind of nice it's like he it, it helps him mentally you know with it actually helps him with his job and it helps him to function and be a person mm-hmm. and also it's like Hey, he has a hobby. He's a, he's a person too. You know, he's normal. He's a person. Yeah. yeah. And humanizing, humanizing Holmes is kind of a tricky thing because it's really hard. Like it's a very careful balance. Yeah. It's it. That's what it is. It's a balance. Mm-hmm. That's the word because humanizing him helps, but it also limits him. As we talked about, the more you explore a character, the more you, the more you pick away at the dirt surrounding their fossil, the more defined the character becomes in a character's definition informs their limits and what they're capable of and also a character that we know everything about is a character that's boring right but we also it it also does allow us to connect and identify a little bit more but also we we need holmes to be able to have that sort of that sort of like ex nihilo just like slaps folder on the table you ever hear the knife alien (laughs) as you said last time yeah just like this he kind of he kind of needs to be a vector for the story happening and in that way he does he it is more helpful if he's kind of impersonal Mm -hmm. um 
But also, uh, it's it's just nice that we do get that variety, and it's nice to get a little bit of humanization of Holmes. This is a very human story. It talks a lot about this guy needs money. He's got a small operation. He's got an assistant and a maid to look after, and four four pound a week in gold sovereigns yeah. plunked down on the table. That's something that he needs and is willing to do something possibly sketchy for. Holmes and Watson need to eat. They go and have lunch together. They go to get some, you know, spirit food, which is what music is. Mm-hmm. They they relax and allow themselves to recharge and be people instead of just, you know, blazing in and solving crimes for every second. It's of it. almost is, in a weird way. I don't know if this is the right word, but it's almost a cozy story. And that you kind of get is. to sit down, you kind of get to settle into it a little bit. Like, you get you so do. much it's details about everyone's lives and just the way London looks and the underground is there. Yeah. Oh my god, you know. <laughs> um, it is. It's, it's a very, it's a very slice of lifey, uh, just sort of, sort of comfortable little story. Yeah. And I, I'm sure there are clues in the way it's written that I didn't pick up on, but like, cause the first one, Study in Scarlet, that was, that could have been a grand adventure. It could, and it, and it kind of was. Mm-hmm. And it had large, large scale. There's a serial killer loose in London. This is a transatlantic crime. Yeah. This is, and, and that sense of scale and how lost it's easy to feel in a story that big, uh, really come through. But something about this story was just very small and cozy was exactly the word. It was just warm and comfortable. And uh, Holmes and Watson are having a great time at this mm-hmm. poor guy's expense. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was a nice, moment Mm -hmm. and watson just thinks to himself that he feels real real dumb and there's a quote here that says uh, oh yeah okay so after the concert uh sherlock says there is a great crime in the doing yeah it's like he he literally pauses like with his three pipe problem he's like okay well i'll have to pick this up after the concert Mm -hmm. and then immediately after the concert he's like okay so there's crime right he literally just puts the whole thing on hold to completely yeah. just devote himself to this concert. And then as soon as they're out of there, he's like, all right, anyway, back to business. So there's a huge crime going on. Watson still doesn't know what's Let going on. Let me tell on. you. He has no clue. As someone who lives in this constantly connected world, it, it is very difficult to just stop what you're doing and focus on something that you want to focus mm-hmm. on. If you're sitting there reading a book that you're really enjoying, it's, for me, I can't speak for you, the listener, it's really difficult not to pick up your phone every five minutes. Right. And that's... I, it's a different kind of world because I'm not picking up my phone just to be frivolous. I'm seeing if my buddy Dylan has texted me or if my buddy Nick has thoughts about the next episode or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's not, but it is difficult to focus and stay in on one thing. Um, so the fact that Holmes is able to do this because he does have this mind that's like a carousel. There's a million things happening at once, mm-hmm. but he's able to bring it to a halt and focus, which is both the key to his success as a detective and his key to staying sane right. with a mind like that. Yeah. That was all just stuff that occurred to me as it exited my mouth. No, it's nice. But, yeah, for sure. But yeah, he says, so there's crimes. Watson, put on your boogie shoes, grab your gun. I'll pick you up at 10 and we'll put a stop to it. And Watson yep. says, what was this nocturnal expedition? And why should I go armed? Where were we going? And what were we to do? Because the whole time it's like, Watson, he's doing, he's honestly... He's honestly doing pretty good this, this episode. Yeah, he's this, keeping you know, up. This, this one. He's keeping he's up. Trying. He's right behind, he's like a couple feet behind Holmes the whole time, basically. Yeah. And which he's is not just, bad. He really is just doing his best. But at this point, he's just like, Holmes leaves and Watson's sitting there and he's like, he's kind of left with his own thoughts and his thoughts are, I trust that I'm no more dense than my neighbors, but yeah. I'm always oppressed by a sense of my own stupidity and my dealings with Sherlock Holmes. And 
I love that. Yeah, like, I'm not a dumb Because dumb, that's but... me too, buddy. Like, you know, I'm over here like, all right, so we know this guy who Same. works. We know this dude's assistant is a bad guy. And we know that he's doing something right. and there's a bank over there. And it's like, all right, I got I, I got yeah. the idea here. I got the feeling. But really, when it comes down to it, if you asked me what was going on, I could not tell you. And that's where Watson is right now. <laughs> and... Yeah. Well, and let me tell you, let me tell you, Nicholas, I... I, as I was mm-hmm. reading this, I was reading it actively, and I was trying to put the clues together, and I thought, okay, I've been reading these stories for a little bit now. I've got kind yeah. of a sense of how they go. I'm going to try to solve this. And I got it literally exactly backwards. <gasps> oh, I was going to say. <laughs> no, no, you did, yeah. 100%. I was as oh, wrong dude, as I it was really possible to, to be See, like, I very love this. Way. I love that you're reading it for the first time because, like, I couldn't – I already know what happens. I can't experience that, but you can. That's just, like, oh, exactly. I'm jealous. So we'll get to that. But yeah, Watson is just like, I read a tweet that just said, every time you see a dog in a car, that dog has no idea where it's going or why. Just imagine living your life like that. Watson's like, liked, retweeted, me. (laughs) He's just, he's just a golden retriever in a top hat in Sherlock's carriage, just sticking his head out the window. So what happens next? What's after the concert, Nicholas? Watson goes home to meet up with, with Holmes later. They meet up later, and Watson's got his gun. He's like, alright, I'm here, whatever, whatever's going on. I, and so when they, when he arrives back at Holmes's, uh, at Baker Street, uh, there's two other people there. We've got a guy who works for a bank who's given a very hilarious description of yep. being like long, thin, sad looking, yes. with a very shiny hat and oppressively respectable co- frock coat, which, oppressively respectable an oppressively (laughs) i'm so glad you wrote that down because Um, i did too it was just uh so yeah so and his name's mr merriweather which again this guy is hilarious i think if you have a banker character in victorian england you're just contractually obligated to make them as ridiculous and stuffy as possible yeah and doyle does that like absolutely uh so his name's (laughs) so this guy's name is mr merriweather and he's miserable (laughs) and Him, him real sad. And he hopes that this all isn't a wild goose yeah. chase. Now, Nicholas, mm-hmm. maybe this is just me. <laughs> maybe I've just been a dum-dum all my life. But for my entire life, for 30 years, mm-hmm. every time, every single time, I have oh, no. heard the term wild goose chase. Yes. I pictured yeah. you ch- you chase a goose. The goose is wild. It is difficult to chase the goose. Well, what Not that- so, my friend. <laughs> it appears I looked at, okay, a wild goose chase is where you're trying to find a thing and what you thought you were finding turns out to just be a that goose. That makes no sense. What, I, okay, so wait, hold on. Are you nope. telling me? Are you telling me that you looked it up? I'm looking up the etymology. During this, you just looked it up? You Like you just well, decided this story? I'm looking it up presently because it was something about the context. Something about the the way it was it was phrased that made me think have i been using this wrong i mean literally always i i, I guess <laughs> that why a goose that would kind of explain what was the okay i'm just gonna let you explain it i have not i got nothing here you know what honestly we uh wiktionary doesn't seem to have much more of a it comes from shakespeare which makes me feel better because that guy invented dumb shit for a living on purpose oh, okay so it's just nonsense yeah Okay, okay, wait a minute. Early recorded use refers to a type of 16th century horse race where everyone had to try to follow the erratic course of the lead horse like wild geese have to follow their leader in formation. Oh, so it is! Okay, so wait. no, I was right. Okay, <laughs> I haven't been a dumb shit this whole time. 
You Okay, you try to follow the erratic course of the lead horse like wild geese have to follow their leader in formation. What does that have to do with Because horses? that's what geese do. <laughs> you're just, I don't your ex- know! Your, your explanation What's made the it even more confusing. It's so bad. Okay, you know what? We're going to cut that off. We're just gonna we're just gonna lot, we're gonna <laughs> amputate that line of thought because no good is gonna come from that. And I'm gonna tell you about something dumb they do in Minnesota. But we're keeping this part. So, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, we're keeping all of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, this this is this is a good pod. I would enjoy listening to this. So there was the uh-huh. the Game Informer magazine did and possibly still do. I don't know. They do videos where they play old video games from their vaults that, like, they you oh, know cool, they cool. reviewed when they came out 15 years ago or whatever. Now. The Game Informer headquarters is located in Minnesota. I believe it's in Minneapolis. And many of the people who work there are Minnesotans. So I learned this. Nicholas, I need you to believe I know that I lie to you for basically no reason. I understand that. I understand your hesitance to believe me on on mm-hmm. any any matter. But I need you to believe me when I tell you three times that this is true. In Minnesota, they do not play... Okay, what do you call the game, Nicholas, when you're in kindergarten and y'all sit in a big dumb circle and one person gets up and goes tap, tap, tap on the head? What do you call that? Duck, duck, goose. It's duck, duck, goose. Not in Minnesota, my friend. You know what they call duck, duck, goose in Minnesota? They call duck, duck, goose duck, duck, gray duck. I'm actually logging off right now. Podcast over. Podcast canceled. What? What is a gray duck? You mean a goose, right? A gray duck as in a goose? No! (laughs) Apparently. Gray duck, apparently the minds of Minnesotans didn't have room for two types of birds that were gray. (laughs) What is going on in Minnesota right now? I just... Dear Minnesota! I mean, I can, I I can take vegetarianism, but I draw the line at gray, gray duck. We're, we're only men, Nicholas. (laughs) I'm only capable of learning so many new things per day. (laughs) Without questioning my whole, this is going to trigger a whole God. existential okay. crisis. We this should just rename this podcast. This spiral cut. Stuff ham. you probably didn't know. Upsetting stuff you probably didn't know. Yeah, but now you do. Deal with it. So they meet Mary Merriweather. Uh, there's a policeman there called yes. Jones, and Jones admits that Holmes quote has his own <laughs> he little has, methods and he has, has the, the makings, makings of, of a detective, detective which, which very is, much is a Lestrade line. But this adorable. is someone else. It really is. <laughs> is it? Did Doyle just forget that Lestrade I mean, existed and was like, oh, I'm ma- I gotta make up a police officer now. I but guess. it's kind of funny because I don't know if Doyle was just like, hmm, Lestrade wouldn't really work in this situation. He's too stubborn. I just need a dude. Cause it's kind of like, okay, yeah. every time, every time a police officer is introduced in one of these stories, he's always either good at his job but has a shortcoming or he's bad at his job but he's good at something else and this guy is in the second camp where he's apparently an imbecile as like said by holmes Um, yes god that was just like peak sass this whole like he's just he's not letting anyone escape um yeah but so apparently he's an imbecile but he's very good at just coloring the dude so they really just need a police an official yeah, he's brave. He's police guy there because they don't have a warrant, but if they have a police guy there, they'll be able to, you know, so it's like, we gotta have, and I mean, it makes sense from a realistic right. point of view because, like, I don't think if Holmes came up to this banker guy, the head of the bank, and tried to explain to him what was going on, that it that he would have right. any of it. So, uh, it makes sense. 
Yeah, and we we've we've talked about we've talked about Batman as yes. the incarnation of the Holmes archetype before. I mean, we we did so last time, I believe, and that's that's kind of where it is because Holmes is a vigilante. He has no mm-hmm. problem working outside the law right. in the name of serving justice, or at least his own curiosity, mm-hmm. which are usually the same thing. But in this context, he realizes that like, nah, there's. There's something going on here. I should. Yeah, this is this is the big time. We got a real, like, professional yeah. crimesman extraordinaire at work here. Yeah, tons of money. A lot of money involved. Um, so uh, Merriweather says. Yeah. So Go he on. says, "I'm missing poker for this. This better be good." And Holmes is like, "No, uh, it's not, it's not poker. What is it, Nicholas? Rubber? What is it called in the text? What are you talking about? England? It is called rubber. What are you talking about?" Looked it up, was very scared to do so. But no, uh, second, second definition in there, rubber. It is apparently a type of sporting or games exhibition. Are we talking and, about, uh, like, like, like bets? Yeah. Like, is this a card game? I, is it yes. ca- are there cards? Well, okay, see, that's the thing. It, I believe, so the definition I read referred to it as the sporting event itself, but, uh, the later context we're given leads me to believe it is the act of betting itself. Because Holmes says that, sir, missing your betting though you are, you'll be playing for higher stakes tonight than ever before in your life. And mm-hmm. brother, he is not kidding. How much money are they talking about, Nicholas? I didn't write it down, did you? 7,000? God, 3, yes. So, yeah. It is a lot more than 7000 Okay, so Meriwether is the chairman yeah. of a bank. This bank, for reasons of its own, for bank reasons, has borrowed 30,000 golden French Napoleons from the Bank of France, <laughs> which is a thing that makes me very happy, the Bank of France. But mm-hmm. uh, I did that math again. 30,000 pounds... In nineteen yeah. in eighteen ninety one, Nicholas, just just toss a number out. What do you think thirty thousand pounds okay, is wait, roughly equivalent to today? Okay, wait, but would it be pounds or would it be Napoleons? Is there any conversion there? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, I didn't look into those. But yeah, because however many Napoleons okay. it was, it so came thirty thousand pounds, pounds. It's got. We're talking. We got to be talking millions of dollars, maybe billions. Four million eight hundred thousand dollars, yeah. twenty nineteen. This is, this is a so lot much. of fucking money, and that's probably that's probably what brought Sherlock to the conclusion that this wasn't a smash and grab. Mm-hmm. Let's have fun being burglars. Time. This is not an Irene Adler situation where we're just trying to steal back what, a, once a noble. Once they get to the bank, he's all business. He's very serious. He's telling people to be quiet. He's like, nobody is gonna move yes. for however many hours it takes for them to, yeah. you know. So they go down to the vault of the bank. Oh, I I yeah. I really want this to be our last rabbit trail but i i just have to mention this what okay so watson has his gun right watson's got a gun he always brings the gun i think the police officer also of course has a gun he's the police holmes doesn't have a gun he doesn't really he every now and then he i think later on in the stories he talks about having some kind of revolver that he brings with him but that's when it's usually when they're out in the country or something what are the laws right about Carrying guns in Victorian England. Could anyone just have one mm. in their pocket? I know that Watson being like a retired soldier, yeah. it's, I assume that you just get to keep your gun and then you just have it. He mentioned specifically that it was his yeah, army. Remember. Yeah, but yeah. like, what about the average, Holmes is just average dude, you know, technically, legally, and he, he's got a yeah. riding crop, which is, I guess, as much of a weapon as maybe he can legally carry? I don't know. What are the, do you know anything about that? Do we want to look it up or? Without looking it up, I I refuse to believe that there were laws of any kind regarding this. England was just 
yeah, no, it was the Wild West, <laughs> but east and on a tiny island. Um, like I, when when you're the when you're the there, there might have been laws for average people, and we think of the law, capital T, capital L. It was probably made up on the spot a lot, and it was probably just like you you individual should not have this gun, not because of who or what you are, but because I'm a cop mm-hmm. and I say so, so we're gonna take you in. But like someone in Sherlock's station in life, he can I feel like he could probably get away with whatever he wanted. Yeah. I feel like guns would just take the fun yeah, out of it's it. Kinda, so you think it's probably kind of just like there's you see less guns because that would just make it too. Because then less people would get stabbed, and stabbing's way more interesting. I don't know, it's like, you don't really see a lot of just, like, they were shot. It's, they were stabbed, they were, like, hung, something, strangled, yeah, it's poisoned. Eaten by a horse, yeah. A, those are way more interesting ways of dying than just getting shot. B, we don't know, we don't know what the rules about guns were, but, yes. So, Meriwether leads them, leads them through a series of gates, doors, and passages <laughs> past the candy cane forest through the sea of swirly twirly gumdrops past the two brothers who tell only truth and lies respectively and the sphinx through stovo core <laughs> past belgium to a cellar now what do they do once they're uh, in the cellar it's kind of just like and now we wait they they make it dark everyone yeah just stand everyone finds a hidden spot oh holmes cross around on the floor again and he finds make some time he, with them tie yeah he finds out where they're probably going to come from the general area of the the end of the tunnel and they just stand around and wait and watson's got his gun mm-hmm. ready and the policeman does too the banker guy kind of is also just sitting there and eventually vincent spaulding the big bad of this episode uh makes his appearance he reaches up uh which i think is like kind of a nice sort of creepy image of him just reaching up through the floor with just one hand <laughs> just one little hand just, just a hand just like, kind of feels around on the floor just, a bit which when like it it's a safe. funny it's funny from a, from a we can come to our crimes now <laughs> the hand he's puppet he's got little googly yeah. eyes on top of his hand God. like Odo so, I'm t- so anyway so yeah, he, he reaches his hand up through the floor, which is a funny image, but at the time it's pretty intense because they're all just waiting for him to, this is guy is, you know, it's, it's, he's made out to be a very serious kind of foe. And he, yeah. he comes up through the. Right. But he he's d- got a yeah. surprise party <laughs> waiting for him. So he comes out, he comes out through the, uh, he moves the tiles across, comes out, they wait for him to like be fully out of the, out of the tunnel and in the room. And then they pounce on him, and they yep. they slap the handcuffs on, and he's got a buddy, uh, which is important, helping him out, and with with bright red hair. That's all you really see about him. I don't even know if you really know his name, but um, I think it's implied that he was the uh, the guy who ran the office. He, you find out later he was the inspiration for the entire redheaded league scam, all of it, everything, um, and all of it. but it's it's so anticlimactic. It's super fast because like. It is. It just happens. One of the one of the keys to writing a good story is that every character in the story should feel like mm-hmm. they are the hero of the story, right? And this this burglarman, this crimesman, like is convinced that he is he is pulling off this elaborate heist. This is the fruition of all his work. It's going to be amazing. This is the point where if we were rooting for him, oh, yeah, right. You know, this would be the climax of his book. And then Sherlock essentially just reaches down the and collar, like plucks yeah. him by the scruff of his neck <laughs> like, like a gotcha. Kitten. Exactly, just yoinks him out of the ground mm-hmm. and says, "You're nicked, my son." And it's it's so it's anticlimactic for him 
But for us, so it's, nice. it's a really yeah. satisfying and bear trap. So he gets caught. His other buddy, you think, is going to escape through the tunnel, but there's police officers stationed there for where he's going to come out. You know he gets caught, too. Everyone's caught. And then <laughs> this dude is just... I, I love it because he's not just some criminal he's like this is his whole livelihood his livelihood is crime his profession is crime and he considers himself a gentleman bandit sort of guy yeah he, he's sort of like he thinks of himself as kind of like a raffles type figure where just he who is raffles you don't know who raffles is okay all right who is hold raffles, on Let's, Nicholas? No, i can't even no i gotta i gotta go to this right now so raffles is a character i haven't actually read any stories but he basically i i'm I'm almost positive. It's not a good start, but keep was, going. You hear about him a lot in association with Sherlock Holmes because it was like a little bit after. I think he was around okay. Poirot time, but he's basically like he's okay. kind of like an anti-Holmes, where he's like, "What if Holmes, but crime? Ooh. What if Holmes didn't have moral?" And Ooh. he's basically yes, please, because Holmes is barely he's not so crime close as to that is. line. And Raffles is kind of this. Uh, he's basically a gentleman burglar. Where he's just got a ton of money. He doesn't like, he's burgling Ooh. for fun. For like the challenge. And he's got a nice. friend who is kind of like a Watson figure where he's just like a normal dude or someone that he like knew before and they work together and he kind of just ropes him into committing robberies with him. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of neat. It's huh. just, it's a series of stories like the home stories. That I would love like to read them eventually. Fun. Apparently they're really good. Um, and, yeah, I want to check them out. But anyway, well, you know what? Maybe we'll have to do that for the second season of this. We'll get a get the other Dude, the other really side yeah. of the story. But yeah, mm-hmm. so they snag they snag him, Spalding, who's actually mm-hmm. called John Clay. He says that he is of royal blood and demands that he be addressed with right. sir and please, and also not to be beaten until he bleeds internally. Yeah, there's a really great exchange with the police officer with this guy. Yeah. Because he clearly considers himself to be their equal. And just... And, and that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, this is a really interesting character who clearly has more going on than mm-hmm. we see of him. Right? And so, knowing that there are depths we don't see, and that, like, maybe he could come back later. Although I don't know if that was a thing at the time. You weren't thinking yeah, about, no. like, franchise possibilities. But just, like, this this really pretty fully formed character coming out of oh, nowhere yeah, awesome. uh, is fantastic. And then we get into everyone's favorite part of every Holmes story, yep. Explanation we Theater. we all gather in the drawing room and Holmes tells you how I did it. And yeah, and it's, it's pretty, I mean, yep. I can't really give much about this because I just am so familiar with this story that I, I honestly, I'm not going to lie, I just skipped over the explanation because yeah. I know how he done it. But, but so... That's, that's but fair. You said, and honestly, it's, but you said the, the you explanation is really perfunctory. What did you think? Okay, what did you think? I'm dying to yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, Okay. So, okay. Here's what's up. So, what I didn't know, what I could not possibly have known, was that Spaulding, mm-hmm. John Clay, in his guise as Spaulding, his, his photography obsession, yeah. which was a throwaway line, uh, is, is just a ruse for him fucking off to the cellar to dig mm-hmm. a tunnel to the bank vault, mm-hmm. like a common mole man. What I thought was happening, mm-hmm. because I didn't know about that tunnel, what I thought was happening was that getting Wilson to stay in that room. Because, see, I thought there was a genuine... <laughs> oh, God. I, Casey, it's okay. It's okay, I, buddy. I thought... Okay. I thought there actually... I thought that the League of Red-Headed Men was was Casey. more or less real, and that... <laughs> <laughs> 
This, okay, well, no. Okay, tell me this wouldn't be a good crime. <laughs> so, I thought that there was this building. Mm-hmm. There was this building. There was this place where this man was hired to go for four days, four, four hours a day, and write the thing and do the thing and then leave. I had to, I had to have red hair. So, I thought, because I had this exactly backwards, I thought mm-hmm. that whoever was perpetrating needed, like, an alibi or needed evidence of someone being like, oh, well, I couldn't have done that crime because I okay. was there at that place working okay. on my encyclopedia whatnot. I thought that the method of hiring these red-headed men was to have someone there at all times who could credibly be mistaken for another person right. who would use that as an alibi. You know I what? thought he was That's being made totally, of, yeah, like totally a patsy. could see how you would, like, that makes perfect sense because it's like, why would they be so specific? About having this certain shade of red hair. Exactly. They needed a double yeah. a look alike so or something. So that, that was what I thought. Right. That it was just, uh, it could not have been me for mm. I was there. You can ask people. Um, and like, if had I known there was a tunnel, yeah. obviously that would be a different thing. But you know, it's just, you, you always, you always have to ask who stands to benefit, like what, what possible advantage could this offer? And so that's what I thought happened. I ain't mad about mm-hmm. it. Like, that would still be an interesting story. I'd read that. And also, like, like to know. be fair, you don't really... The the bank is mentioned as a building that's there, but it's not made a big deal out of. Like, yeah. you're not... It, it's not... It's just mentioned. No, 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 and then also, you don't know yeah. what this guy really... You just know he's really smart and you know he's a criminal, but it doesn't really give you any, like, oh, yeah, he's robbed this Correct. many banks before and he's going to hit another one. You know, it's like you can't really... You're given the pieces but there are still enough missing where you can't really yeah we aren't given mm-hmm. not enough and also to just to no. like make you feel a little bit better there is actually a story um later on i'll see if i can look it up uh i as from what i remember it's a really good story where that actual that very thing happens where a girl gets hired on for a job uh because she looks like another girl that they're trying to so that that is yeah that okay. that is cool. used that in the that actually story. does make me feel better but um so yeah it was a very good guess even though All right. it was not correct um <laughs> thank you i feel good about it mm-hmm. so that's that's pretty much the end of it honestly uh watson does his usual says holmes you freezing this out so beautifully and holmes says and here i quote it yep. saved me from on <laughs> and then right after that my life is spent in one long effort to escape from the common places of existence and i i love that quote it rings very yes. true to me personally and like yeah and he tosses off this this french line uh l'homme c'est rien l'oeuvre c'est tout um meaning the man is nothing <laughs> the work is everything and then that's the story it it ends, ends with that quote yeah that's it. This is a really yeah, good, I mean, despite dumb. the whole, like, just utterly dragging and making fun of this guy, the, the client at the beginning of the story, it, yeah. in general, is a pretty nice little character view of Holmes. Like, you get, you get quite, it's very on brand for. It is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty peak Holmes. And Watson too. Um, mm-hmm. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, it had a lot of novelty. It had a lot of substance as well, which is an interesting yeah. balance that you have to have for it to work properly. Uh, there were a lot of neat things to learn, and more importantly, there was a lot of Sherlock right. actually doing shit instead of sitting in a sitting in a mm-hmm. waiting room uh, in his waiting room talking about things oh, that yeah. already happened that other people have done. No, I I I, I love see- we love seeing Holmes getting out there and doing stuff and going places. Doing stuff. Because he does stuff in interesting right. ways. And, and, and also, does Doyle's really yeah. good at giving you oh. stuff to look at and scenes to set. And like the like the crumbling mansion yeah. in um, the last one that we did, which was in the Speckled yeah, Band, which was, was you fun. get a nice description of that, and it's like, oh shoot, I'm there, you know. And it, that's just really nice to 
It really puts you there. Well, Nicholas, before we say goodnight, I believe you had uh, your very own minute of deduction the other day. I did, yeah. I, I, so I was working late. We do this thing on Thursdays where we basically just clean the whole store. And I was cleaning behind one of the fridges, and I find $26 in cash behind that fridge. And I'm like, oh, exactly $26. Exactly $26. That's important. That will be important later on. Um, okay. So I find this money, and I'm like, I found this money. What? What's? What is it? And, I, and my first thought was like, okay, you know, it's probably someone's tips. So we'll just keep it in the back. We'll put it, you know, back there. Maybe, hopefully someone will claim it. And then I'm like... I feel like I feel like I could probably figure out whose money this is. Like, there's not too many pieces here, so I look up. Right. Um, it's a pretty closed system. It's a pretty closed system, and I'm extremely familiar with the system. So as well, right. so I have like huge advantage here. Like anyone could have. This is not. This wasn't really hardly a Sherlock Holmes moment. Anyone in my position could have figured it out. Which sounds just like no. This was your house. Uh, yeah. No, this was my house. So, <laughs> um, but so I. I take the money to the back, and I'm like, okay, this is a very specific amount of money. I doubt that this blew in from the window, and they just left it behind the fridge. It has to have been a personal barista's right. money. They went back and got their tips, came back out, and were trying to, like, put it away, but then got it got too fast, and they dropped it, and they're like, oh, I, I'll get it later. I can't stop making drinks. Um, right. So I'm like, It got right, kicked it under, tips, probably. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And so I go back, and there's every week we get a list of, uh, like a sign off list where when we pick up our tips, we initial that we got them. Sure. And we each have our own envelopes. Yeah. We have our own envelopes and, um, where the tips are. And so I looked at all the amounts, and it's different for everyone. Everyone, it's split, uh, amongst the baristas, but depending on how much time you worked, everyone gets a different amount. So it was $26 exactly. Only two baristas. Uh, their tips amounted that week to $26. And I checked both of the envelopes and only one of them was empty. So I kind of just figured out whose tips they probably were. And Very nice. I don't know. I felt smart, but it was, it was a really little thing, but I was just like, Hey, I did that. You know, I don't know. Yeah. No, but, as well you yeah. should. Well done. That's, uh, so. I, Nicola, he, he actually texted me yesterday and said that he had his own moment <laughs> of Holmes and, and I could see the bubbles pop up and he was starting to tell me and I had to type back as quickly as I could. No, save it! Save it for the show! Save <laughs> it for the podcast! Yeah. Oh god, well that was a good, that was a good, that was a good minute of deduction. So yeah, so now I know exactly how Watson feels when he gets <laughs> something right occasionally. <laughs> Well, we should try to have more of those. We should try to do that every week. We'll have a we'll have a moment of deduction if one if one happened to us. If we manage to put yeah. these skills of observation and intuition to work in the world around us. Well, what are we reading next week, Nick? Um, I don't know. I, do you want to do you want to pick from that list again? Oh, sure. Do you still have that yeah. list that I gave you? Yeah. No, I got the list uh, right here in Evernote. Let's see. I mean, I could try to find that other story I was talking about, the mistaken identity story. Um. If I, could uh, I think we'll, I think we'll let that, no, we'll let that, we'll let that come upon us uh, okay. by accident, I think. Let's see. For sure. Hey Siri, please choose a number between 1 and 60. A random number between 1 and 60 is 13. Thank you, Siri. Uh, let's see here. We are reading The Beryl Coronet from 1892. Now that doesn't make a damn lick of sense to me because a coronet, unless I am much mistaken, is an instrument. Oh, this one's good. Is it? Uh, it's not an instrument. It's a, it's a stone. Crown? It's a, it's a, it's like a coronet. precious stone. Yes. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, read the barrel coronet. Meet us next week. We'll talk about it. We'll see how we all felt. Get at us, kids. Find us on, <laughs> um, what do you call that thing? 
Twitter. Uh, we are at the final podblum. You can find us on Facebook. You can find our individual Twitters. Uh, tell a friend about the show if you think that they would like Sherlock Holmes stories and or Dum Dums goofing on it real, real hard. Uh, yeah, we're having a good time making it. Hopefully someone has a good time are. listening to it, right? Yeah, and we would love to hear from you just your your thoughts, your vehement disagreements, uh, things we missed that you thought were enjoyable or interesting. Uh, let us know what you think. And I'm literally care... just sorry for I'm so sorry. No, not at all. What's up? I literally just had the thought that I'm pretty sure I got 100 percent wrong on what a coronet was. I think it's actually a crown. I just but but I just was like expect like someone's gonna call me out on this yeah, in the future. Gonna, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's a kind of instrument as well. I think it's like a short trumpet of some kind, but it could I also be. Nope, don't look it up. Right nope, 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 oh, don't look right, it up, right, Nicholas. Right. Don't put phone away. There we go. Don't do it. It's a mystery. <laughs> Um, yeah, and well, I mean, it, it clearly comes from the same root, like Corona, Curon, like it's, it's clearly got the, the crown root in it, coronation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so it wouldn't surprise me if there's some wordplay at work, but we'll read that one next time. Yes. Uh, until then, all our buddies, sure lock us up and throw away the key. <laughs> Bye, all our buddies, we love you. Bye. Hello, all our buddies. This week we read The Red-Headed League. The story where we find out that the real treasure was the things we learned about the letter A. <laughs> yes, so I I love this story. It's very goofy. Um, <laughs> Nicholas, what? we have to wait a second. That's the it's where the theme song comes oh, the theme in. song? Can't you just, like, <laughs> pause it or whatever? Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay, okay, yes. Okay. We're right, 16 so, minutes into this. Oh my god. Right. Okay, let me let me pull up my nose here. Okay. So what are we yeah. what are we doing? <laughs> Give me the you rundown. Let, okay, I'll you you let us into the intro and now I'll lead us into the episode. Okay. okay. Do okay. I have to say it again? <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> All right. You did a great job. All right. You did a great job. <laughs> my sweet gentle boy. Take 7. <laughs> <laughs>